This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by Mithras Candle. Mithras candles are 100% pure East Coast beeswax, handmade in Philadelphia by two of the loveliest humans I know. Mithras candles have a gorgeous Byzantine drip style and a scent like Apian Paradise. This is natural ancestral lighting for your body, mind, and spirit. And if you use offer code WITCH, you'll get 13% off your first order at MithrasCandle.com. That's offer code WITCH for 13% off your first order at M as in magic, I-T-H-R-A-S, Candle.com. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. And welcome to the Witch Wave. It is almost Halloween. Samhain, Hallowmas, All Souls, All Saints, Dia de los Muertos. The time of year when in paganism and many other traditions, we honor our dead. Now, we've talked on several other shows in the past about this holy time of year, but this year I'm thinking about not only how to honor those we lost throughout this very difficult year, but also throughout our shared lifetimes. And I'm also thinking about how this period is not just about interacting with our ancestors and communing with the spirits, but on a lighter note, also about how we traditionally dress up for them, or perhaps more accurately, dress up like them. Though Samhain is a pre-Christian Celtic holiday that can be traced back to at least the 5th century, the practice of wearing costumes around this time of year, particularly frightening costumes, was first recorded in the 16th century, though some surmise it may be much, much older than that. The belief was that during this time of year, the spirits walked the earth, and they could be appeased by giving them offerings. However, some of these spirits were rather terrifying and could potentially bring about danger or misfortune, or so it was believed, and so humans began dressing up like them to trick the spirits 
into thinking they were one of their own, thus leaving these incognito human beings alone. As the theory goes, this eventually evolved into the disguised humans going door to door to collect offerings or treats from each other, thereby enacting this exchange of tricks and treats. And, well, it's a pantomime we still play out today, this strange social distancing year notwithstanding. I find the idea of embodying that which scares us to be such an intriguing one. I'm fascinated by the aspect of apotropaic magic, or protective magic, which often involves the use of frightening imagery that we choose to decorate our houses or our bodies or our faces with. That by adorning ourselves with something scary, we feel braver and safer. Whether we're talking about a church adorned with grotesque gargoyles or a monstrous costume we put on before we walk the streets searching for candy and connection with other night ghouls. I'm also interested in how this dreadful decoration temporarily transforms us makes us feel powerful, less inhibited, more free. And all of this is a reminder that masks and costumes have been used by people to interface with the spirits in virtually every tradition throughout time. Today, masked musicians like Orville Peck, Sia, The Knife, Lekele 47, and I'd argue painted performers like Alice Cooper and Kiss can be viewed as modern incarnations of shamans, medicine men and women, and other witchly guides who would use a combination of masks, music, and ritual to make contact with otherworldly forces and bring about healing and catharsis to their community. My guest today, Clown, from the world-renowned metal band Slipknot, is an expert on the power that frightening costumes hold for both the viewer and the wearer as he and all of his bandmates have been donning nightmarish masks and specific alter egos for the last 25 years. Clown himself has been wearing different variations of, you guessed it, a terrifying clown mask over the last three decades, and you'll hear the profound ways that this practice has influenced his music his magic, and his mind. But before we get to that, first, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire. Who is it? Witches! Elizabeth writes, Jordan, my best friend, died just days before his 30th birthday. I see him in everything, while I water my plants because he loved to garden, 
while I read the news because he was a fiercely passionate fighter on so many fronts, LGBTQ plus and reproductive rights, climate change, access to healthcare, anything and everything that impacted the people he loved. His heart was huge. He loved everyone. Jordan was funny and beautiful and wise. I made a small altar last night, a glass of rosé, a candle, and the autographed Carrie Fisher photo he gave me last year. His name will be attached to a donation as soon as I decide where best to send that energy to honor him. But this grief is hard to endure, too. Do you know of any rituals that both honor a loved one and honor one's own feelings of grief? Maybe that help to process and transform it as I face a world without someone I loved every day? I'm at a loss, and this feels like a selfish question, but surely a lot of us are facing some complicated feelings of grief right now as our loved ones die without us being able to be present due to COVID-19 restrictions. Thank you for listening. Be well. Be safe. Hi, Elizabeth. First of all, I am so deeply sorry for your loss. Jordan seems like an exceptionally special human being, and he was so lucky to be loved by you, and it sounds as though you were very lucky to feel his love as well. It is not selfish to be grieving right now, and I know this hurts, and I so wish I had an answer for you that would make the pain just disappear. But please hear me when I say that you will make it through this and the pain will become more bearable with time. I promise, I promise, I promise. Now, I realize you wrote this note a little while ago when this loss was very new and very fresh and a bit of time has passed since then. But I still want to gently remind you that you are not alone especially since you are part of our witchly community, and we have a whole host of traditions that are meant to assist with exactly what you are going through. The main one, which you probably know of, is Samhain, the pagan day of the dead, which happens over October 31st and November 1st, and so I recommend that in addition to watching your scary movies or dressing up in a costume or gorging on candy, and that's all awesome to do too, but that you also take the time to do some sort of ceremonial work to honor Jordan and thank him for his love. You said you already have an altar set up, so this can be as simple as lighting a candle on it, putting some flowers or an offering of his favorite food or drink or incense, and just spending some time there remembering him and talking to him and thanking him, or maybe even asking for guidance and just ultimately saying whatever it is your heart feels called to say. This year, Samhain also happens to fall on a full moon, 
actually a blue moon, which is a phrase that's used to describe the rare occurrence of a second full moon within the same month. And full moons are great times to do magic around the concept of release. So perhaps you can do a ritual around releasing, release of your emotions, your tears, your grief, your numbness, your paralysis, whatever it is you're feeling that you might be ready to move through. Which isn't to say that you need to stop grieving from that day forth, but that maybe its heaviest grip on you can loosen the littlest bit so you can move forward a little bit more. There's also a ritual I love for Samhain called the Dumb Supper or the Silent Supper where you make a beautiful meal and literally leave a place setting out for your dearly departed with the same food and drink that you'll be ingesting. And you simply eat and drink in complete silence to honor the beloved or beloveds who have passed. And when you're done, you can leave their meal outside as an offering in nature or at a crossroads. After Samhain, keeping your altar for Jordan tended to for as long as you feel called to, and that might be forever, is a wonderful way to stay connected to him. But I think another way of honoring him is by whenever you feel ready, actively integrating what he valued and what you learned from him into your life as you move forward. You say he was a gardener. Is there something you can plant in his honor or a community garden you can contribute to or a tree planting nonprofit you can donate to? You describe him as an activist. Is there an organization that you can offer your energy, resources, talents to as a way of carrying his legacy forward? Ritual is such a gift for the spirits, yes, but also for us here in the material world. But so is action. And I truly believe that by letting your love for him and who he was fuel you, you can stay connected with him, heal your heart, and help heal the world. So please know that you have permission to grieve and ache and take a pause from action for as long as you need. So I'm not suggesting you do any of this right now if you're not ready. And also, just a gentle reminder to reach out to people that you trust or grief groups of which there are many to get some added support because you really are not alone in this pain. But when you do feel a little bit stronger and the sorrow isn't quite so unbearably acute, I hope that you will let Jordan's spirit continue to inspire you and encourage you to spread that compassion of his in your own intentional, magical way. I am sending you so much love, Elizabeth, and may Jordan rest in peace, passion, and power. 
blessed be. Now on to my guest. When Clown's assistant reached out over the summer to invite me to be on his podcast, The Electric Theater, I was taken by surprise, to say the least. What did a super aggro masked metal megastar want with me, a bookish feminist witch? Well, it turns out we have a lot more in common than one might assume, and I enjoyed talking to him so much about art and performance and magic that I invited him to be on this podcast, and I am so delighted that he agreed. Slipknot, as many of you know, is one of the world's biggest, most beloved bands, metal or otherwise. They've released six studio albums, including their most recent critically acclaimed We Are Not Your Kind, as well as two live albums, one compilation album, and five live DVDs. The band formed in 1995 and have since gone on to sell upwards of 30 million albums, receive 10 Grammy nominations, and win a Grammy in 2006 for Best Metal Performance with their song, Before I Forget. They are also allegedly Rihanna's favorite band, which by some measures is even better than a Grammy. Today, Clown is the band's only founding member, and as such, he's worn many hats and clown masks over the years. He's a percussionist, composer, background vocalist, and Slipknot's creative director. The masks were his idea. And he's one of the band's primary engines that's kept it going all these years. Clown is also an accomplished photographer and filmmaker and collaborator on numerous side projects. In short, Clown is a force. Now, in full disclosure, what you're about to hear is our second attempt at a witch wave conversation as we had massive tech issues our first time around. And I'm so grateful to Clown and his team for giving it another try and making sure this happened because this conversation was clearly the one we were meant to have. Because of said tech issues, Clown joined me from an Iowa parking lot via Zoom. Clown, welcome to the Witch Wave. Hello, thank you very much for having me. I am so thrilled to have you here. And thank you so much for returning the favor because I was just on your podcast and I had such a ball. So it is great to get to do this again with you. I agree. It's a lot of fun to be able to connect with people 
And then it's even more fun to be able to reconnect in a different way, a different path. So this is exciting. Right on. So first of all, I have to ask you, Clown, how are you? How have you been during this crazy last seven months of mayhem that we're all going through? I imagine you guys can't be on tour right now, for example. Personally, I'm doing well because, A, I like time off for the family, for myself. I always have too many projects going on. So I use time like this to finish things that need to be finished. It's a little disheartening canceling tours because I pretty much live to perform for myself and for our culture. So I can let me slide, but it hurts inside not to be around, you know, our people for the love of music. Music's my God. So I need it to survive. And I've met thousands of other people in the world that are the same way. So during times like this, it gets to be a little negative in your brain because you want so badly to share your life and time with the people that want to share it with you through music. So it's a little disheartening that, but every time we schedule something, if it gets canceled, we rebook it. So we're really motivating to stay on it. But like everybody else, we don't really have a choice of when. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm sorry that you guys have to take a pause, but I'm glad for you personally that you can catch your breath a little bit because the kind of music you make and the way that you perform seems so intense. So I'm curious how it's been for you to kind of catch your breath and recharge and be a little bit more mellow. Has, has that felt like a new experience for you? I tell a lot of people, we in Slipknot, there's a lot of guys that will do other things when we're off. In between albums, we always take a year or two off. So I'm actually used to taking time and having time. This time's a little bit different because it affects everyone. So normally, if like Corey Taylor, the singer, if he was going to do his other stuff, you know, normally he would go do that and other people would sit around, take the time. Well, you know, everybody in the band is sitting around. People are still doing things. He's doing things. People are doing things. But this is a lot different than normal breaks, you know, because it involves everyone. It makes me taking a break even easier because everyone has to take a break. I don't really have too much stress. It seems like everybody else has a lot of stress. But I'm spending a lot of time these days working on form like if I mow the lawn I try to be conscious of how I move my legs so I don't hurt my knees I use the time to develop anything and everything that I might need to do I disappear in my own imagination you know it's it's okay for me because I love it whether I'm on stage or I'm in my backyard I can pretend to do anything you know it's just the interaction with other humans that I lack and miss. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Have you been able to work on any music? Or I know you're also a filmmaker and a photographer. Have you been generating anything creative? I mean, that's all I do anyway. I don't sleep. And my day is divided up 
into many several different sort of thought processes connected to some sort of artistic expression. So that's all I've been doing right now. I'm working on the next album, but we're always working on the next album. Mm. So I'm at home. I built a little studio in my house. I have an engineer in town. Some other guys in the band are, are coming into town and we're just going to work. You know, we're going to take the time to get that much closer to when we all get together to work on a new album. I utilize any free time to express music, you know, but you can't push it. You can't just push it every day and expect results. You have to massage it over time, wake up to it, go to bed to it. So making a lot of music, I got a script, got my first movie that I'm writing. I've been writing this script for about three years and I finally found the right team, handed it over. I got my first draft of it and now I'm making revisions. So I've been working on my movie, making a lot of Slipknot music, spending a lot of time with the family and just taking a lot of time for myself to enjoy the air, to enjoy the clouds, to enjoy, I guess, just being alive. That's really great to hear. You said just before that music is your God. And I have to ask, how literal do you mean that? Does writing music and performing music feel spiritual to you? My job is a little different. Well, my place in life is a little different than normal. I keep company of just the best musicians and most talented people. And I swim around all that, you know, perform a little bit of every instrument, mess around with everything, sort of a Renaissance person, creator. But music has always been my God because it's the only thing that's always been there for me. It's never turned its back. I've never had to prove it. I've never had to look for it. I've never had to ask for it. I've never wondered where it was. Mm. I've always had it. It's always been there in the deepest of times. Uh, my wife and I, we had a couple miscarriages. Music could help me transcend through that time period. Mm. We've had a lot of loss in our life. Music helps me dangle my emotions. If I'm shut off to the world because I feel I have to be to present myself a certain way, music will break me down. Mm. No matter how hard I try to present myself, music will break me down and my real feelings will come out. So my whole day is motivated around music. My life is motivated around music, all types of different music, all different types of scenarios. It literally is what I pay homage to, you know? It's very important to me and I utilize it as a craft. You know, for sure. And I think that's so evident because, you know, not only do you make a lot of this music, I know you're also the band's primary creative director. So you're responsible for a lot of the visuals and the symbolism and a lot of the music videos and everything. And I find that to be really fascinating how you express yourself in all these different forms. So when you're approaching the more visual aspect of music, 
how are you landing on the symbols, let's say, that you are utilizing? I mean, let's talk first, of course, about the masks that you guys all wear. For those listeners who aren't familiar with Slipknot, (laughs) each band member has essentially an avatar or a character, and, and you each wear a mask constantly when you're performing in your videos. Can you talk a little about how the masks even came to be? The masks have always been sort of a weird sort of anomaly through us because the world reacts on its own behavior. And behavior can be taught and brainwashed. So I came up with the masks because there was just no way I was ever going to do what I do and give the human vulnerableness over to the world because the world's cruel. Mm. The world is a, a pack of wolves to which I am one, but I'm a lone wolf. So I'm not going to get taken on by the world. I'm not going to get ripped to shreds over a hairdo or wrinkles or just how bad the world really is in vain. My therapist says, I only tell the truth when I wear my mask. And (laughs) there's a lot to that. And we don't really have enough time to really analyze that. But that was always planned. And if you can't take me serious, you will take my character, if you will, serious. That was a big part of it. A lot of people are very frightened of clowns. I entertain a clown persona. But I'm not a clown. That's what people got to understand. That's how deep these masks are. The the outside person who is what I would call a simpleton, meaning they're going to let the vibration of music just move them and the thought of color and temperature move them. They're not going to dig in too deep. So they're just going to say, he wears a clown mask, he must be a clown. But there's never been so much further from the truth. You know, like... The masks are a way for me to identify and portray what I really feel and what I need to do without being judged. It's not so easily explained. But this way, I always felt I could get to the art quicker with taking the human self out. And I can always be the same person and have been and been treated since 1998. Till now, I've been dubbed the clown, and it, it really doesn't matter how much older I get or what shifts of look I have, what my beard is doing or what my hair, or, none of that is really involved in my everyday practice of life. Yeah, It was planned. It was needed to be able to express. I'm very into like symbols and organizations. I like the idea of people getting together and losing themselves through energy, the vibration of music. You know, all music stems from a spiritual place. If you take African music, you can see these native tribes, you know, these really ancient sort of philosophies and watch these humans just get out of their skin with utilizing music. And going to another place. You can watch elders in their 80s pick up grown men when they're doing hunting rituals and stuff like this. People are compelled to lose themselves through music. 
So the masks, the outfits, the symbols, it's all ways of bringing everybody into a thought, into a way of thinking, into a circularness, if you will. It's all these things that push the rest of it out. Mm. The more we come up with, the more single-fied all of us become and the less the brainwashed activities enter into the art zone of what Slipknot is. So I don't like using the word cult because it doesn't apply. Mm. That's a word that people might understand. I like the idea of an organization of people that are honed in on the idea, the concept of what it is, Slipknot. Mm. I don't like all the negative connotations that go with something like a negative cult or whatever. So I affectionately call our fans maggots because what do maggots do? Maggots grow wings and they turn into flies. So they eat shit and put up with garbage and deal with the most foul circumstances, do away with it, grow wings and fly off to wherever they want. Not even humans grow wings. So we're all brought together because we harness the negativity of life. We see the opportunity of life being better, but are are constantly beaten down by the harsh realities of what life are. Mm. So my symbolism, my symbolism and everything I do is a way to push out the temperature of life and hone in more precisely on what we are when we're together and just have this giant celebration of an idea. And that can become enormously powerful, as you can imagine. And that's why we're still what we are as intense, pretty much killing our bodies, because the revelations and the salvation that's achieved by the performance, by allowing oneself to disappear. And when you wear a mask, you can disappear so much more quickly. Mm. You can offer so much realism and people can download that quicker and almost let it vibrate them, if you will. So it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's so much you said that I want to respond to. First of all, I mean, you guys, as you said, you're in a long tradition, a long mystical tradition of groups that use masks and use art to kind of obliterate the self and the ego and connect to some greater spirit or greater energy. Like as you were talking, I was thinking about Greek mystery cults and like the cult of Dionysus and how that was all about, you know, wearing masks and drinking wine and having ecstatic experiences to, you know, get people in touch with the gods, right? It also makes me think of, you know, I studied anthropology when I was in in college and there was a phrase I learned called collective effervescence. And I I love that phrase, and it feels like that's also what you're kind of tapping into, this idea of 
not just using these masks and this kind of ceremonial way of approaching performance, but also tapping into some shared energy that you're exchanging with your audience and I imagine your other bandmates too, right? Yeah, I mean, energy is unprecedented. We call a lot of what we do throwing shapes. Mm. When I'm up there, it's 100% magic. I'm throwing shapes. I'm interacting with like life and expressing myself in ways that people feel mm. from far distances. So it's more than just a performance. You know, it's a cathartic exploration of oneself and almost a sacrifice of oneself because they're sacrificing themselves. The fans are always putting themselves in harm's way. That's why we're actually not touring right now. It's got nothing to do with the band. It's got to do with the lovely people that put themselves next to each other, right on each other, you know, sometimes without shirts and just sweaty sacrifice to become free. It's a hell of a thing. It's real. Things happen. Energy happens that becomes so strong, things alter. Venues get altered. Electricity gets altered. People, you know, it's, it's a fascinating life that I've chose. I need mass amounts of people to be able to express myself. I can take a photo for me with no one around, but give it to millions to be able to express. It's kind of what we're doing, you know? Oh, yeah. It's really astounding. On that note, we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back. Look, it's hard enough grappling with our own emotions under ordinary circumstances, but even more so when the world is going through massive collective challenges. I am so grateful for my therapist, and even though I've done sessions in person for years, I've been pretty amazed at how effective online therapy has been for me right now. And so I can heartily recommend BetterHelp, an online counseling service which can provide you with your own licensed professional therapist to talk to via video or phone sessions. So if you have anxiety issues like I do, or are dealing with depression, stress, trauma, grief, or even just day-to-day -day struggles with your relationships or your family, or just feeling like you're not meeting your personal goals right now, which let's be honest, has been very difficult for most of us these days, I really encourage you to reach out to the folks at BetterHelp. They will connect you with a counselor that you can start chatting with in under 24 hours. Now, a few things I really appreciate about BetterHelp is that it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Plus, they offer financial aid to those who qualify. And they make it super easy to change counselors so you can find one that you really click with. Best of all, which wave listeners, that's you, get 10% off your first month of counseling by going to betterhelp.com slash witchwave. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com slash witchwave. I believe that all human beings can benefit from therapy. I certainly have myself, and I'm so glad that it's becoming more accepted and more accessible to do so. 
So please pop over to betterhelp.com slash witchwave and find a great counselor to talk to. BetterHelp is confidential, convenient care, and you, my friend, deserve that. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Clown of Slipknot. So Clown, you just mentioned a phrase that I find so intriguing, and that's that phrase, throwing shapes. And it sounds like such a magical phrase. And you were talking about the magic of having this relationship with your audience. Can you talk about how it feels to throw shapes or where that phrase even comes from? With clowns, you know, there's actual phobias towards like a clown. So you can begin to understand that if I'm in a room doing a signing and a person enters the room and they have a natural born fear, that fear takes over themselves, takes their feelings, it takes who they are, their nervousness, they become something else. And when you're in my position, you can harness that. And an easy way to throw shapes is like, just the way I stand up could just alter that person. It could bring them to the ground. It can literally make it so they can't move. So those are easy ways to understand shapes. Being aware of the feelings, being aware of the expressions, the temperatures of other humans, and being able to express oneself through, let's just call it shapes, and have it move through the air into someone where it greatly affects them. I wouldn't call it a talent more than I would call it like an untapped ability, human untapped ability. So I feel like when I throw shapes, you know, it it begins with like the music we write, you know, take a drummer, for example, you know, he's in a moment in a song and it's coming to an area where he's got to throw some fills. He gets out of body and he just throws these fills using all his appendages, left and right brain, crossing wires. And he just manipulated space and time and physical attributes and throw all these assets at you and you feel it and you're compelled to cheer up. Mm. There's so much that's going on that we don't know. So I feel like we are tapping into like, and unknown by throwing shapes and it works and people feel it and you can bring people to their knees, bringing something that's in the subconscious that's so buried and bringing it to the forefront of reality and making it tangible, making it actually touchable. And it's invisible. It's not even here, but it's thick and it's round and you can't get through it. It's holding you down and it's pressure. You know, it's it's part of the molecular makeup of being human, mm. but it's tapping into more than books, more than standing in line, more than putting in time. 
this is like of the very beginning. This is like being a baby coming out of the womb and recognizing and feeling people around you's voices because you could feel that energy through the stomach. You yeah. can feel vibration. I'm talking about these sorts of things. We have names for them. We have terminology. We have concepts. But practicing, feeling, doing is different than reading and practicing. So throwing shapes is way in. It's way deep. And it's hard to control, but it's very real. Yeah. And, and people do it all night long out in the audience, and they don't even know they're doing it. I see possession all night, mm. just people disappearing within themselves and becoming what they request because of the love for music. You know, it's beautiful. I'm so blessed to have been aware of music in this reality. Mm, that is so, so powerful. I imagine, though... You now have been doing this for decades, and I imagine you've honed this ability or learned more about this gift as you've gone on. And I just have to wonder how you apply that power responsibly, right? Because that's a lot of power that you're describing that you have over people. So has your relationship to throwing shapes changed as you've gotten more experienced with it? Well, that's a really good question. And I want to answer it as harshly as I can. <laughs> okay. I think that's how people are going to understand. What I'm involved in, I could generate motivation with people. I don't like the word manipulate because I don't believe in it personally. That's a dangerous word. It's a dangerous philosophy. There's a part of me in my head that would love to make the entire world addicted. But that would be personal and that could be harmful. So I'm aware of that. And that's from the ego, right, clown? Yes, yes. 100% selfish ego. Basically, that's Lucifer. The word I and me is satanic. You know, the more you use me and I, you just become more ego. And you become more lost within the ego and vanity. Mm. Ego is demonic. And... And it doesn't work for everyone. Some people can make it work with what I do and what I'm portraying my real self and the power I know I have. You have to understand some people, I could walk into a grocery store and some people could just be overwhelmed by my presence because I am the clown in a hard rock band known as Slipknot. Yeah. And to them, entertainers, and people of such, there's this persona they have, and all of a sudden it overwhelms them. So it begins there. I can almost have what I want right there. Like you guys are demigods, right, in a way, to some people? Right. It's sort of embarrassing that it's like that because you, you want to have belief and hope for the human. You want to believe that they have a little more strength upon themselves, a little more self-control, and are aware of their existence a little bit more than what they've been fed since they were born. But that's not really the case. So I'm aware of that. 
and I know that at any one time, my persona could manipulate. I could achieve things for myself. I guess they'd be healthy for me because I would desire it, and I know the wrongdoing, and I wouldn't allow myself to morally do anything incorrect. But I spend most of my day trying to be righteous and selfless. I just want to be selfless. I just turned 51. I just want to be selfless. I want to be the best man that I can at this point. I don't want to spend any more time in life buying in to what isn't real. And none of it's real. None of it. Mm -hmm. I'm in a parking lot with buildings and berms and streetlights and curbs and paint. None of this is real. I work on my power, if you will. And I work on it. I try to make it make good. I try to utilize what we're talking about in a way that people feel happy and loved and feel touched. Because I'm always touched. That's what they don't understand. I'm touched. When they bring it up, how much they're freaking out, I'm freaking out too because I'm being noticed. I'm being aware. So it's a dangerous for oneself, mainly, you know, when you're practicing anything, you have to be responsible. It's not like law. It's not like the law says, don't steal or you're going to go to jail. So you make a decision and you get away with it. So your responsibility is to get away with it or you get caught. So you got to be responsible and you have to take what happens mm. with me. I understand it could be very dangerous, but probably more for myself. I could get consumed with ego and vanity, and it would destroy me. I'd be yeah. destroyed already. I would have been gone years ago. But I try to harness it. When you do Make-A-Wish Foundation, and you're a human being, and you're asked to go and speak to a child who has requested to meet you, mm. I can't help but to want to ask that child, why would you ever in a million years need to meet me? Mm. Because that's a taught thing. They've been taught that somehow, mm. you know, radio or magazines or whatever. And they, they identify and they do. So when you do those sorts of things and you're asked to do those things, you can't help but to go super deep and understand the responsibility of who you are and what you are. I get identified just by the way I hold myself. I can be in a mall 30 yards away and somebody can come in and go clown. And I'll be like, how the hell do you know it's me so far away? They'll be like, it's how you hold yourself. So my whole thing is a practice, you know, and you have to be careful and it can be dangerous. I have gotten in trouble before, but I learned quickly and I won't allow myself to go down any dark corridors because the dark forest is somewhere you might not be able to get back out. I've been there. I've been yeah. in it, but I've fortunately been able to navigate through it. And I fortunately could get others in it and out of it as well, but it's no way to live. Mm -hmm. So I hope I explained what you asked. There's a responsibility behind the sort of practicing that I live day by day. Yeah. No, that was beautifully explained. And it's it's really interesting because I do think we'll just call it fame. It's its own weird magic. It's its own weird power, right? And 
you know, you're at this point in your life, you guys have had 10 Grammy nominations, upwards of 30 million records sold, you've won a Grammy, you guys just won best band in the world from NME. So I have to ask, like, what does that power kind of fulfill for you? And what doesn't it fulfill? Because I think my listeners are sophisticated enough to know that fame and money, like it doesn't necessarily make you happy or spiritually fulfilled. So what have you learned about fame? Fame is an interesting thing. Fame is something where you can achieve things quicker, but then you would not have lived them. You would not have acknowledged them. You would not have processed them. So fame could get me a woman. Fame could get me money. Fame can get me popularity. Fame could get me a position. Mm. Fame can get me all these things that are not real. Fame is not part of the equation of a happy marriage, a happy relationship, a, a man meeting a woman, a woman meeting a man, woman meeting woman, man meeting man, whatever. Fame is not part of that. Fame isn't exercise. Fame isn't, I want to lose weight. Fame isn't, I want to fill my brain. Fame isn't, I want to put money in my account. So fame is an illusion. It's like a mirror. It really doesn't exist. A mirror is a piece of glass with gray paint. Gray is an optical mixture. It's an optical and illusion. I personally don't feel like it exists. It's that fine line between white and black, all the color and none of the color. So I feel fame is the constant test. I mean, like I said, I can go into places all day and be treated like everybody else, but then other days I can be treated like I could have anything I want, drugs, mm. money, sex, but anything too much all at once will leave you with nothing all at once. Having everything happen at once has the opposite. It means nothing is happening at once. So everything you think you're achieving it's fake. Mm. And it's even more fake when the other person is buying into it. I mean, can you imagine fame making someone interested in me physically? Fame. Not my face, not my eyes, not my hair, not my soul, not me, but fame. Fame mm -hmm. can get me that. That is demonic. That is going to be a selfless journey that's going to end in ruins, probably going to end up alone. So fame is not anything I like. I downplay it. I tell everyone around me, you could call my manager right now and say, does Sean Cram the clown think he's a rock star? And I will tell you, no, mm. I don't believe in it. It doesn't mean anything to me. I want to be so much more than that. And I am so much more than that. So you have to be careful with fame. Fame can allow you and start making you feel like you're untouchable, that you're above everybody around you. And that's just not the case. It's a very difficult mirror to carry around. Mm. Thanks for sharing that with us. On that note, we're going to take a super quick break and we'll be right back. 
I am obsessed with Zoo's incense, which is why I am so excited to announce that I have partnered with them on an exclusive Witch Wave incense blend just for you. The Witch Wave blend is inspired by Artemis, goddess of the moon, the hunt, the wild. It contains sandalwood, orris root, myrrh, black storax, mugwort, ambrette seed tincture, and organic ylang-ylang essential oil. And I cannot tell you how fun and magical it was to collaborate with the folks from zoos and come up with this blend for you. You can order your Witch Wave incense blend by going to witchwavepodcast.com slash shop and you'll see it there. And this is a small batch limited edition, so we'll see how long it lasts. I also want to encourage you to go to Zeus's site and order their incense from them directly because they are so incredible. They have nine incense blends currently available, and they are handmade and hand-rolled, all natural, and all of their ingredients are organic or wild-crafted and made with whole plants, seeds, roots, woods, tree resins, and tinctures. Zeus also offers hand-cast, concrete burners, charcoal, raw aromatics like frankincense and myrrh, and incense supplies. Check it all out at zoosincense.com, and if you use promo code WITCHWAVE, you'll get 10% off. So that's right, you've got two places to go. One is witchwavepodcast.com slash shop to get our exclusive Artemis-inspired Witch Wave incense blend. And you can get everything else over at zoosincense.com. That's Z-O-U-Z incense.com and use offer code witchwave for 10% off everything else. Thank you, Zoos. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Clown from Slipknot. So Clown, you've talked about a lot of intense, powerful things, fame and throwing shapes and the intensity of your relationship with your audience and your music. That's a lot to carry. So how do you ground? How do you 
take care of yourself spiritually so that you're not just in this constant state of mania, (laughs) you know, because that wouldn't be very healthy either. I'm what you call a mess. You know, most people look in, you're, you're a mess. And I am. You can't be me and do what I do and not be relied on. I am relied on. I have a lot of people that depend on me. And I need to be aware of that at all times. I need to be able to navigate through the beautiful awareness of being needed. And being needed by a plethora of spirituality, it could be mental, physical, all of it. It's a lot. So what I do is I'm just aloof. I just go where the day goes. I don't watch TV. I definitely don't watch the news. Hmm. I'm not going to watch a bunch of idiot kings talk over each other and interrupt. And I disappear in my reality. I live on an acre and I spend most of my day outdoors. I work a lot with plants. I work a lot with lots of materials to make things. Like right now, I had a garden and I grew all these hot peppers, ghost peppers, cayenne, Anaheim, serranos, all this stuff. So I've been digging them out of the garden and putting them in pots and trying to keep them alive through the wintertime that's about ready to hit. So I'm practicing learning how to mess with my herbs and practice harnessing life to take something from the ground, put it in complete shock, nurture it back with trust, letting the plant know I'm here to make sure you exist, even though I've uprooted you and you feel obligated to die, I'm going to encourage you to live through water and light and love. So I just spent a lot of my days doing things I know nothing about and obtaining ultimate knowledge. Knowledge is power. I wish I could spend time with people. Like, it'd be so cool, like, If you just showed up and we had a day, you know, and just like, we don't know what we would do, but we would end up doing something. If we could just both break it down to who we are and not worry about that, or we just sort of calmly breathe, something would arise and we would chase it. By the end of the night, we'd be accelerated and it would be a new opportunity. So that's what I try to do. I have this philosophy where if you go out and look for it, it will find you. I don't know what it is, but if you leave your house right now and you're like, I'm going to go find it, it will find you. It could be a tragedy. It could be love. It could be excess. It could be vanity. It could be anything. But if you leave and take a breath, you will find it. It could be a dead squirrel to which I will take a picture and which could be an album cover. I could meet someone in a store that could say that one thing about sobriety that helps where people go to treatment and they got to hear it from the bosses. You could just be out and just overhear someone say something so powerful. It alters the rest of your existence. So that's what I do. I know I'm a mess. I know that 50% of me is a mess. So I try to make the other 50% where I just walk out the door and say, fuck it. 
I'm going to exceed in nothingness. I'm not going to watch the news. I'm not going to watch these people talk. I'm going to act like there's not a pandemic. I'm going to grow a lily. I'm going to go put bricks around a tree and help some roots. Tomorrow it'll be painting. The next day it'll be putting together a shelving unit, reading directions, you know, these sort of things. You know, I just try to do brainless things that make me laugh that normally I wouldn't do that offset being a complete and utter mess. <laughs> well, it sounds to me like what you're talking about is mindfulness. Like you are being present, you are in your body, you are letting yourself be aware and connected to the flow of magic and synchronicities. And that's a pretty, I think, spiritually bright way to be does it feel like your spirituality is thriving when you're working with plants let's say it does i'm very attracted to being human so i do weird things that people don't understand like i just bought some land and i've been telling my wife like the first thing i'm going to do i bought a a lot of acres because i need to disappear and i need to learn and touch But the first thing I'm going to do is dig my grave. And I'm being very serious. I'm going to go out on this land. I'm going to find where I'm going to live the rest of my existence. And I'm going to dig it. And I'm going to put something there. And I'm going to get an easement on this land for any fan that ever wants to come see me when I pass away. Whenever that day is, they can come to this land and they can walk to where I am. These sorts of thoughts they're not obscure. They're not unhealthy. I'm in touch with that one day I will die. I'm not Mm going to fight that. I'm not going to fight that. I'm not going to stress out about it. I'm not going to be scared. I mean, Edgar Allan Poe has been under the ground longer than I've been alive. So I'm pretty sure there's some stuff happening on that other side. (laughs) I mean, there are just millions of people on that other side that have been there for centuries longer than any drop of water that I will breathe air. So I do these things to embrace the reality of my reality. I I harness it. It's interesting because plants like this summer, I was very attracted to weeds. I found all these medicinal ways of like mullein, this plant you can use for cough suppressant and Oh, I know all about Mullen. It's very magical, clown. Yeah, so it's like, I'm 51 years old, and I never took time to understand this stuff, and it grows right outside my door. <gasps> yes, I feel at peace that I am aware and awake going, wait a minute, this weed is beautiful. Look at this flower. Look at this seed. Oh, my God, this root. If I was out dying and I got lost, and I needed nutrition. I could dig up a dandelion root and chow it, and it would give me a little power to keep walking. Like, these are all things that this world has brainwashed me not to see so badly. It tries to sell me a chemical that we made to kill it because we deem it invasive and ugly. I mean, what the hell is going on? So it helps me to open my eyes and get my hands dirty and understand that the plant mint is a very invasive plant, but I grow it to keep the bugs down. 
bugs hate it just like humans but you have to know that the roots will grow all the way across your garden and choke out your squash so i'm not worrying about this when i'm trying to figure out where my you know i'm complaining about my first class ticket about how i didn't get an aisle seat <laughs> i'm killing that person i'm destroying that entity i'm getting rid of all of that and i'm throwing it up and i'm sitting in dirt and i'm cutting wood and i'm preparing food and i'm asking my children what their favorite color is and i'm not getting road rage because the guy in front of me or the woman in front of me for all i know the reason why they're driving slow is because their mom and dad is in hospice and they can't think of anything else but death and they're yeah. driving slow. So why, why am I road raging when I don't even know what this other human being is going through? So, mm. yes, I have a lot of ability to be healthy all day because I am putting out the fire of this existence. I mean, all you got to do is turn on the TV and look how stupid we are as humans. <laughs> we are stupid. We look stupid. We talk stupid. We're hurting each other. We're ugly. We're about as ugly as we've gotten. And I'm going to go grow plants. I'm going to cut wood. I'm going to learn how to bake bread. Most people don't know how to make bread. It's very hard to make bread. So, again, I hope I didn't move too many places to explain that one thing. Oh, I am so delighted. First of all, clown. I feel like I accidentally tricked you into basically sounding like a witch because everything you just said is so witchy. You know, just this notion of working with nature and finding all of the, you know, sacredness and the magic of plants. And so I'm delighted to pieces. I want to go back to something you said earlier, though. You were talking about making your own grave. And it makes me think also about a lot of the symbolism that you and the band have, which I would call, you know, pretty dark. There's a lot of what we in the witchcraft community, and I think also in the psychological community call shadow work that you guys are doing. You're singing and generating music that is heavy. It's dark. There's death and fear and terror and the images that you're using, you know, with your masks and everything. Like, there's a lot of shadow in that. And so I, I just wanted to hear you talk a little bit about why you think that's valuable for people. It's a really good question. Again, with human words, it's going to be a little hard to explain, but take the grave, for example. When you bring up that you're going to dig your own grave, it brings up a darkness. It brings up a lot of hesitation to even talk. And people start judging. But I'm here for the epiphany. I'm here for the grand illusion to be unveiled. I'm here for self-awareness. And one way to get people's attention is to be like, hey, this guy was thinking about his own death. He made art, him coming out and making a path by this beautiful tree and digging this hole here and selecting it. That's work. That's real work. And that's what I want to show people. I need to 
open people's eyes. So you have to do it drastically. You know, some people feel you got to hit someone over the head with a hammer to get their attention. Me, I'm going to bring you close to fear. Fear is a good way to get you to stop and slow down and pay attention. So yeah, there's a lot of visuals. There's a lot of emotion, words, all these things that are harnessing an energy for you to think. What I want you to think about is that I have a saying that says, you yourself should do and try everything. Because then when you're dead, you will have everything. In this life, time's running out. We designed this thing called time. And because we designed time, we alleviated the ability to not understand time. So we should be walking around being able to understand that we shouldn't understand. But we didn't. We made all these things to try and explain and answer what we don't understand. But doing that denied us what life really is. So I try to put all the proof in the pudding. I work on heavy, heavy shadow work, if you will, to stop people dead in their tracks, to get the epiphany, to motivate them to move in a direction immediately that is different than the direction they are harnessing because their eyes are closed. I got to be at work at eight. I got to get this check. I got to put $20 away. I got to go to this bar and meet this person. We are just creating havoc. We're not really getting to the center of the reality. So I work on hard things to make big statements. I'm digging my own grave, not because I want to die, not because I'm going to die, not because I choose that. I'm digging it because I'm not going to be scared of it. I'm going to be in control of it. I'm going to harness it. I'm going to love it. I'm not going to have a funeral where everyone's like, oh, I got to go to a funeral today down on the south side. It's from 10 to 12. It's going to suck. And blah, blah. I can't wait to get out of there. And the food's horrible. And the basement of the church. Fuck all that. I'm going to harness it. This is where I want to be buried. By this tree. With this rock. At this side. I want you guys to sit here and I want you to leave things and there's no one's going to take it. I'm going to put an easement on it where you can actually throw a tent and hang out and play music and not have the world tell you what you learned. These big expressions are big ways of stopping people flat to look inwards and hopefully change a little bit of their direction. Because when you ask elderly people what they would do different in life if they could do it all over again. And you know what the majority says? Live. Nine out of 10, if not 10, will say live. They won't say sex, money, fame. They say live. So I practice living immediately. I start throwing shapes immediately. When you enter the venue, you're being programmed in a Slipnotian way, which is detached from their way. You're being forced to feel, to smell, use all your senses. To wake up. Yes, to wake up, to realize this is your time, and you've probably wasted most of it. And that's not a threat, and that's not me being mean to anyone in the world, but that's the truth. They prick our finger, they take our fingerprints, they slap our butt before we can even talk. When you're born, 
you have a number on your birth certificate. It's one color. When you die, you have a number on your death certificate. It's another number. Guess what? You're part of the human stock exchange. You're expected to contribute. You have a number when you're born and you have a number when you die and you can be equated from the beginning to the end of what you contributed to this whole. It's not, hey, he was a rock star. Hey, he made money or hey, he did this. No, it was he was a human. What the hell did he contribute to the rest? This is reality. And none of us are ever going to even know that we contribute to a higher purpose. And look what we've chosen. Look what we've chosen. Mm. I mean, come on. <laughs> what we are choosing for ourselves is pathetic. We could have so much more. This world could be magic. It could be beautiful and ethereal and surreal. It could be just grandiose. But instead, this world's a farce. And you have to spend time inside yourself. It's a fail. This world is a fail. It just amazes me that I have plants right outside my door, wild lettuce. I mean, it's, it's right there mm. in a ditch. And it could be used for all sorts of things that could help me evolve in the world. But I've been taught that I can get chicken fingers in a gas station and have comfort food immediately. It's yeah. just too much. Yeah. I want to take us down to maybe a more, I don't know, playful level. (laughs) And that is to talk about the notion of costume. This episode is going to air just before Halloween. You are obviously a king of masks. I also read recently that you're getting more into fashion, and you and I both share a love of the designer Alexander McQueen, though I do not own any Alexander McQueen. That is something I'm aspiring to. (laughs) But I wanted to hear how you think about costume in this world, which is, as you described, so fake. Why do you think costume is meaningful? It goes hand in hand with exploiting your true nature. So if you take Slipknot in the beginning days, we wore these coveralls. And we wore these coveralls because, A, we needed to interrupt the thought process of, okay, this guy's wearing this fashion shirt. This guy's displaying himself. We needed to be one. And when we were being one, we also needed to be free. And when you wear something like coveralls, you can pretty much – bend and contract any way you wish. Mm. And that is important for the ability to express oneself, to throw the shapes. So the costume, if you will, I prefer like the uniform. The uniform also is very important for separation, for identifying for the fans to be like, this is who I came to see. There's the authority on stage, the presentation of the separation that is needed because they are needing guidance. They are needing acceptance. They are needing motivation. Uniforms are a way of displaying rank. The rank might be, I'm here to entertain. I'm the jester. I'm here to entertain, pay attention. It's very important. As far as fashion goes, love fashion, always been into fashion always been a really big guy a lot of fashion never really fit 
I've lost a lot of weight in the last five years, can get into a lot more, but love fashion because there's a discipline behind fashion. Fashion is uber arts. You're taking the human canvas where everyone's different and you're trying to make a philosophy. You're trying to make a jacket that can be comprised up of being able to fit the general population and make it look good. So sewing and altering and cutting is such a fine art and just so amazing. People, we're so vain and we're so hurtful to ourselves and we have body image problems. Everybody's got body image problems because it's what the world's done to us. Mm -hmm. We no longer love our skin and our individuality and the way we look. We want it to look different. We want it to look like someone else. So the outfits are very important for separation and confidence. I believe fashion is a confident art form, you know, because it's so particular. You might be deterred away from it a little bit because of size and stuff, but this is a discipline. And being responsible behind something and earning it feels good, whether it's monetary or physical, and you can actually obtain something that is a strict philosophy and an outfit. It portrays, it helps throw that shape, if you will. It goes hand in hand with who I am as a magician. You know, I have my outfit. People know, they're like, whoa, you know, look at this. This is powerful. And it is, you have to have it. It goes hand in hand with the ability to create. Yeah, I think adornment is such a magical art. And I feel different depending on how I'm dressed. I have certain pieces of jewelry that I consider talismanic. You know, they have like a magical charge to them. And I feel different when I put them on. How do you feel when you put that mask on? Does something shift in you? I'm a monster. (laughs) I just let it all go. It would be so beautiful if people could feel that acknowledgement of becoming zero. And the mask and the outfit allow me to reboot, reset. I could have woken up irritable. I could be moody. I could be all these things. But when I go to reset and I put on that mask, it is just cathartic. It's animalistic. It's real human humanness. Like I become everything but me. And it's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's very wet. It's very liquid. It's very invisible. But it's just the remarkable, honest truth. Scary. You have to be careful you know, because you can disappear and get hurt. For me, I was born to do it. You know, I can't be me as much without a mask. I tend to hide more. It's really needed. Yeah, that's beautiful. Do you only wear the mask when you're performing or do you sometimes wear it? I know this is actually a really personal question, but I was wondering if you sometimes wear it, like if you need to generate some writing or something like that? Or is it only for an audience? Well, it's a good luck charm. And it's my real face. So we we take it serious. 
and we utilize it when the aspects are real. But I am a bit of a loon as well. And there's a lot of power in wearing a mask. You can watch people change. I can alter anyone immediately because, you know, I can meditate. I can put it on, sit very quietly and go within myself. But what's happening on the outside can really affect people. So, you know, I put it on a lot. I have it in different mentalities. And I love it when people request it, when people want me to put it on. That becomes exciting. Like when they come to your house, you mean? Yeah, if they were to come to my house and ask me to disappear and ask for it to show up, that's exciting. Because usually it's the other way. Usually it's me forcing it on you and saying, here we go. This is what you came for. But when you ask for it, and you can disappear because I'm going to disappear from a normal conversation. You're going to see the switch. The veil is going to disappear and you're going to be like, this is different. So if you can be different and you can let it go, the magic that we get together that's outside of the stage. So for instance, if you came to a show and you wanted to do this, interview and this speaking at a show face to face, there's a good chance I would do it in the stuff. Mm -hmm. You would be greatly affected differently than you are right now, obviously talking to me through the phone lines, different realities, different states is one thing. But if we were together to the point where you could smell the cologne I was wearing, I'm not saying you'd be overwhelmed, but all your senses would hit you and you would change. And if you decided to go with it, it would be a fascinating experience. So it does get utilized from time to time, but it's really the braveness of souls and the willingness of souls to want to explore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about Halloween and how people just love to dress up and what a human need it is, not just for rock stars, but I think all humans can benefit from wearing masks with intention and becoming other beings temporarily or tapping into different energies. Like, I just think that's something humans have been doing for thousands of years. And there's obviously a lot of meaning and a lot of value and a lot of magic that comes from that. And it's pretty awesome that you've made a life for yourself where you have Halloween almost every day, you know? Yeah, I'm very fortunate, very blessed, but I was born to be this person. I didn't really have a choice. The first part of my life was pretty painful trying to get there, but the rest of my life has just been grand because I found my slot you know, and it's effortless. I think a lot of people would wonder if I make believe because it's so effortless for me to be what I am. I don't understand a lot of what goes on here on the planet. I just, I'm the type of person I get up every day and I walk outside and I say, what the fuck is really going on? Mm-hmm. But everybody else is like, Oh, you know, the president said this and we got to go. I don't care. Like what's the weather like? 
what's really going on? Why are we here? Like I'm constantly contemplating these ideas. So people need to disappear in a different variance of oneself because we're just becoming further and further away. Pretty soon we're going to be a phone. You know, it's just that phone is killing everything. Well, I could talk to you for 10 more hours, but I know you've got a lot of music to make and art to make and plants to give your love and attention to. So I'm going to let you go. But before I do, I just want to thank you so much, Clown, for just being so open and kind of peeling back the mask a little bit for our conversation. I find you to be just such an inspiring and fascinating human. So thanks for sharing your magic with us today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I love to communicate. I love to communicate in different areas that I normally do. I feel like I get the biggest response on what I am and what I'm trying to do. So thank you. And we'll just have to keep this going. Please when we get back on the road and we're close, let's meet. We can do dinner and throw you some shapes. And I'm sure you'll throw some back because, you know, I want to invite you to a performance and then you can really feel that end of it. And please, if you ever want me back on the show, let's do it. Maybe your listeners start requiring me. And that's really what I'm doing. I'll have to check in because they'll get addicted to some of what I'm saying and need some help still breaking down the walls of reality to get to these places. So please let's just keep communicating because communicating is king in this world. I agree so much. And it would be my honor to get to meet you in person. And until then, just stay safe and happy and enjoy that nature clown. I will. You do the same. Be safe. Have a great day. And uh, let's talk soon. That's it for the show. Thank you again to Clown for his candidness and immense kindness. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that's happened to you recently? Drop us an email at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on the witch wire. The Witch Wave is produced, written, and recorded by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was edited by Rachel Jacobs. Thank you, Rachel, and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Special thanks go to Marianne McCarthy, Britt Buckley, Matt Freeman, Lara Antal, and Cece Pascal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now buy Witchwave merch at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and give us lots of sparkly stars. It really, truly makes a difference and it helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WitchWavePod. And you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. Please consider picking up my book, Waking the Witch, which is available everywhere now. And if you want more WitchWave or you would just like to support the show, please do join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. 
I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave. <laughs> <laughs>